the Galatians chapter 6. Tonight we finish up the book of Galatians. I didn't check to see when we started it, but I know when we're finishing it, tonight. And so Galatians chapter 6, I'll be reading verses 13 through 15, and I've entitled this message, Priorities, Priorities, Galatians 6, beginning in verse 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And so we're looking at priorities tonight, priorities tonight, and speaking of that, uh, there were three men who skipped church one Sunday morning to go golfing. Obviously, golfing was their priority. And all three of them were shooting very poorly. And it began to pour down rain after the ninth hole. And so they ran to the clubhouse to salvage their embarrassing morning with some breakfast. But the clubhouse was closed for repairs. Well, as they were running to their cars, one said, Hey, we could have just as long gone to church this morning. To which another replied, Oh, I couldn't have gone to church today anyway. My wife is at home sick in bed. That fell flat. Let me explain to you what happened. See, the, they were having a bad day at golf. Like nothing was going their way. And so the one guy says, well, you know, we could have gone to church. And the guy said, well, I couldn't go to church because my wife's homesick in bed. But he could go golfing, see. All right, well, let's just, I'll see you all later. All right, well, that didn't work out well. Let's look at priorities, though, starting with man's priority, man's priority. The Judaizers, we've been talking about them the whole time. The Judaizers, their priority was the physical. In particular, they wanted the Galatians' physical bodies. They wanted to circumcise. In fact, these Judaizers wanted to get as many Christians circumcised as possible. And they promoted circumcision to brag about their influence. Look up in verse 12. I didn't read it. But as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And so they, their priority was the physical, seeing how many Christians they could get circumcised. And not only the Galatians' physical bodies, but their own physical bodies. Uh, they wanted grace and law to avoid persecution from the Jews. Now, Paul knew this persecution personally. I look down in verse 17. He says, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for if I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He personally knew what it was like to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Indeed, Paul had been through the ringer for Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives us a little bit of a thumbnail of what all he went through, beginning in verse 24. He says, From the Jews five times I received forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He had been through the ringer for Christ. But these folks, the Judaizers, they wanted grace to please the Christians 
and law to please the Jews. And they were willing to compromise that which should have been non-negotiable. They were willing to compromise that which should have been non-negotiable. Clinging to Moses is renouncing the Messiah. Embracing one is to renounce the other. My friends, it is Jesus alone or Jesus not at all. Now, we can learn from Moses. Uh, if, you read, if you read this month's uh, Lamplighter, I did a, a whole expose on the Ten Commandments. Okay, uh, Those come from God through Moses. I'm not against the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I did my doctoral dissertation on the Old Testament. But you can't cling to the rules and regulations and cling to Christ. It's either Moses or Messiah. You can't have both. But that's what the Judaizers were trying to do. They're trying to play both sides of the field, both sides of the fence. So they want to talk about grace and they want to talk about law and they want to try to combine them somehow. Remember, it's Jesus alone or not at all. But just like the Judaizers, people often put their priorities on the physical. They put their priorities on the material. Starting with physical appearance. Even going all the way back in the nation of Israel when it was time to choose a king and they eventually chose Saul. In 1 Samuel 6, 17, he was good to look at and he was taller than everybody else. And they said, he'd make a good king. Maybe it's financial status, material possessions, pleasure seeking. People often put their priorities on the physical. They often put their priorities on the material. The problem with all of these priorities is that they're temporary. They're temporary. Physical beauty fades. Death eventually comes. Yeah, Billy was really rude tonight. He said, I don't know how to break this to you, but everybody in this room is going to die. I'm like, what? And then he said, women are responsible for all the trouble in the world. I mean, I, I don't even know. Who asked this guy to come teach? I don't even know. <laughs> Apparently you heard that. I got a big mouth. But anyway, physical beauty fades and death eventually comes. Financial standing is precarious. Material possessions wear out. They break down. They can be stolen. Pleasure is fleeting. Why would you focus on the material? Why would you focus on the physical? This stuff is going away. It's temporary. Sadly, people generally ignore the spiritual to give priority to the physical. Now, there's nothing wrong with physical beauty. There's nothing wrong with being financially strong. There's nothing wrong with owning material possessions. There's nothing wrong with seeking pleasure in a godly fashion. They're not necessarily evil, these things. But when they take priority over the spiritual, they become evil. When that becomes our focus, just the physical, just the material... My friends, understand what the Bible says. All the material things are going to be burned up one day by God. Peter talks about that in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. He says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Don't focus on the material. Don't focus on the physical. It's all going away. It's going to burn up. Again, people generally ignore the spiritual. 
to give priority to the physical. Jesus told a story in Matthew 16 about a man who had more material possessions. He knew what to do with them. So he tore down his barns and built new barns so that he could have more space for all his stuff. And God comes to him and he says, you fool. Tonight your soul shall be required of me. What good is all this stuff going to do? Absolutely no good at all. People starve the spirit to feed the flesh. But we must starve the flesh to feed the spirit. Now, not necessarily do we have to fast. That is certainly something Jesus assumed we would do. When you read there where we've been with the, the Lord's, uh, not the Lord's, the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus is giving instructions and he says, uh, when you pray, pray like this. When you fast, fast like this and so on. So he assumed this is something we would do. But when I say we have to starve the flesh to feed the spirit, feed the spirit that is not necessarily fasting, but it could be. What we need to do as Christians is to engage in what are known as the Christian disciplines. The Christian disciplines. And to engage in the Christian disciplines, this requires time and it requires energy. What are the Christian disciplines? It depends on who you reference. Prayer is certainly one of them. And as I mentioned this morning, we all need to find time to pray. Fasting is also a Christian discipline. And uh, I don't recommend you just go out and start fasting tonight or tomorrow. Uh, let's talk about that some more. But that is a Christian discipline. Fellowship, stewardship, study of God's word, contemplation, self-examination, public worship. These are all Christian disciplines. And we must starve the flesh to feed the spirit. And when we take the time and energy to engage in the Christian disciplines, it takes time, it takes energy, and you can't be doing something physical when you're doing something spiritual in this case. So we see man's priority is the physical, the material. But second, I want us to look at the Christian's priority. Paul wrote that his priority would be the cross of Christ. He was going to focus on the spiritual. Now, the cross of Christ was certainly a physical event. But it was a spiritual event at the same time. And Paul says, you know, my priority is not going to be on how many people I can get circumcised, how many people I can get baptized. It's going to be on the cross of Christ. Now, Paul had plenty to brag on as far as the flesh is concerned. If he wanted to just go bragging uh, how important he was... He certainly had reason to do that. In Philippians chapter 3, he gives us some of his, uh, some of his uh, pedigree, beginning in verse 4. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. He could brag. He could focus on some material things, some physical things. He said, you know what? I'm going to focus on the cross of Christ. I mean, look in verse 14 where he says it. But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he had suffered persecution for Christ. I mentioned it before. Verse 17, he says, I have marks in my body. I have marks from the persecution I've suffered. 
But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the cross of Christ. And we have no greater priority than the cross of Christ. Every spiritual blessing we enjoy has come through the cross. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, we would not have the spiritual blessings that we have today. It was a physical event, as I mentioned, but with spiritual implications. Salvation is but the tip of the eternal iceberg. You know, we think about that. Well, because Jesus died on the cross, I'm saved. Yes, absolutely. But that is just the tip of the iceberg. Having our sins forgiven, going to heaven, is just the key first step. Because eternal life in heaven is beyond our human capacity to comprehend. Paul, quoting Isaiah, would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, a verse, uh, chapter 1, he says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them who love him. The cross caused a complete separation between Paul and the world. Notice what he says here in verse 14. He says the world was crucified to him and he was crucified to the world. He says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. What's he saying? Nobody and nothing survived crucifixion. Not even Jesus. We talked about that. Even Jesus didn't survive crucifixion. He defeated it. But he didn't survive it. He died on that cross. And so when Paul said the world is crucified to me, he said, I'm done with the world. I'm done with the world. I'm not going to focus on the physical. I'm going to focus on the spiritual. You see, faith in Christ changes our relationship to worldliness. When you put your faith in Christ, and it's for real, it changes our relationship to worldliness. What once enslaved us now has no hold on us. What once attracted us now repulses us. Genuine Christianity results in a complete life change. Our attitudes change. Our actions change. Our loyalties change. Our attractions change. Our relationships change. Our vocabulary changes. It starts with putting your faith in Christ. But that changes everything. I meet a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too, who say, I believe in Jesus. But they live like the world. They're not living a, a changed life. They're living like all the other unbelievers out there. They just call themselves Christian. They put a label on themselves. I'm a Christian. But they don't live like You truly have God's Holy Spirit living in you. I'm not saying we don't face challenges, that we don't trip up from time to time. It certainly happens. We're all sinners. But it should not be our lifestyle anymore. Again, our attitudes change. Our actions change. Our loyalties change. Our attractions change. Our relationships change. Our vocabulary changes. Now, I wonder, in verse 17, Paul says, I bear in my body the marks. What marks do you bear for your Savior? Physical marks may come one day. We live in a, a free land right now where, uh, generally speaking, people are not persecuted, physically persecuted for our faith in Christ. But those physical marks may come one day. But the thing is that we should live markedly different lives 
from the pagans who live around us. We should live markedly different lives. And so you may not have a physical mark where you've been beaten, where you've been punched or whatever for your faith in Christ, but you should live a life who is marked for the Lord Jesus Christ. People ought to look at you and say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. What is it? It's Christ and Christ alone. You see, you don't change your life to become a Christian. You become a Christian and your life is changed. And it's all because of the cross. And so we see man's priority is the physical, material. We see the Christian's priority needs to be the spiritual. And let's look lastly at God's priority. God is not impressed with fleshly accomplishments. God is not impressed with the material or the physical. Uh, In this case, uh, circumcision, uncircumcision, not impressed. Worldly success, God's not impressed. Material possessions, God's not impressed. Fulfillment of pleasure, not impressed. I mean, what impression does this make on the one who owns it all? I mean, God is the king over all the universe. You may have several million dollars in the bank. Doesn't impress God. He owns the bank. He owns the universe. God is not impressed with fleshly, material accomplishments. For you see, what is wisdom to God is foolishness to man. And what is foolishness to God is wisdom to man. The flesh, the material, that's what we think is really impressive. That's foolishness to God. The spiritual, the world would say, not impressed. And that is God's wisdom. You see, God's priority is the spiritual. God's priority is a new creation. And to become a new creation, we must be born again. Go with me to John chapter 3. This is one of Dean's favorite passages, and no, he didn't tell me to mention this tonight. In order to become a new creation, in order to be saved, in order to, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ to come in your heart, you need to be born again. We must be born again. In fact, look in verse 3 there of John 3. Jesus said... Verily I verily, or truly I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this is not an option, being born again, because Jesus repeats this three times. In verse 3 he says that I just read that. Look in verse 5. Truly I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, in other words being born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And verse 7, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Clearly, when Jesus repeats himself three times, this is not an option. And this is not just for certain individuals either. If you notice in verse 3, Jesus is speaking. His name is Nicodemus, actually. But when he says, verily I say unto thee, thee is singular. And so Jesus looks at Nicodemus right in the eye and he said, I'm telling you, you've got to be born again. But then... He changes his tune. Later on when he changes from singular man to the second person plural. Where he says, Verily I say unto thee, excuse me, verse uh, 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, plural there, you must be born again. 
And so he starts out with Nicodemus telling him, you have to be born again. And then he changes and says, you all got to be born again. It's for everybody. I've told you this story before, but I was witnessing to a guy at work, actually here in, uh, here in Maryland, but my previous life in Maryland. And I was talking to him about how he needed to be born again. He said, well, he said, I'm a believer. Trust me, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I'm none of that born again stuff. Well, then you don't believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said you must be born again. We become new creations at salvation. The moment we receive Jesus as our Savior, when we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried for our sins, and he rose again the third day, at that moment, we become a new creation. This is God's priority. And we are then in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now to be in Christ requires Christ to be in us. And once he is in us, we become part of his body and are therefore in him. We come into the body of Christ, first of all, spiritually. This is a mysterious spiritual union occurring at salvation. The moment you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life, there is this spiritual action that takes place. We come into his body spiritually. But there's something that happens physically, too. We come into the body of Christ locally, the local church, universally, all churches all over the world. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all have a job to do for his body to function properly. Some are his hands reaching out to the needy. Some are his feet going around the world. Some are his mouth speaking forth his message. But hear me, no one is his seat. Christianity is active, not passive. Christians don't actively serve by sitting. Sitting is not a spiritual gift that God uses in his church. So we come into the body of Christ spiritually. We come into the body of Christ physically, locally, universally. And we all have a job to do. And every one of you that God has placed in this church, he has placed you here for a reason. Not because you like these, you know, the interior decor, not because you like the music, not because you like the preacher. It's because he's got a job for you to do here. And he has uniquely chosen and gifted you to fulfill that job, to fulfill that purpose. And this church will not function completely and properly without you doing what God has called you to do without you doing what God has gifted you to do. That's part of coming into the body of Christ physically. But why is the new birth, the new creation, such a priority to God? It is because God does not relate to us in our sin nature, but in our new nature. God doesn't hang out with sinners. He doesn't relate to us in our sin nature. He relates to us in our new nature. So he needs to give us a new nature so that we can have a relationship. Again, we're given a new nature at the moment of salvation. The moment we experience the new birth, the moment we are born again, we receive a new nature. Now the problem is we still got that old nature hanging on. That's why Paul would say in Romans 5, he said, I got a war going on inside of me. 
I got the old man, I got the new man, and they're constantly duking it out. But one day, this old man will be laid to rest. And it'll all be new. And we'll be, in that time, we will relate to God in our new nature only in perfection and completeness for all eternity. Our new nature leads us to pursue God and godliness. Our old nature is not interested in God. Our old nature is not interested in godliness. But our new nature is. So a personal relationship with God comes only through the new birth. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we complete our look at the book of Galatians, we see these priorities. Man's priority. Man is focused on the physical the material, and sometimes we fall prey to that because we still got that old man going on. But the physical and material should never be our priority. The Christian's priority, as Paul says here, should be the cross of Christ. Not only believing it and living it, but sharing it with others. And God's priority, it's a new nature, a new creature with whom he can relate in godliness and holiness and perfection. And so Billy was talking about in a class about sanctification. As we learn more about our faith and we trust deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in this process of sanctification. And so the further along we go in sanctification, the less we are focusing on the old man, the old nature, the material, the physical, and we're focusing on the spiritual, and the more we grow in the spiritual, the better we can relate to God. Because as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, we are focusing more on spiritual things. We're focusing more on God and godliness. This becomes our priority. And as a result, we not only live lives that are more pleasing to God, but we live lives that people will take note of. And they will say, there's something different about you. There's something you have that I want. And the best part about that is when you tell them, you know what? There is something different about me compared to you. But what I have, you can have. And it's free. There's no price to pay. There's no seminar you have to take. Just receive Christ as your Savior. For real. And that will begin the process of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us. Making us new creatures. Now we have the challenge to live like the new creatures that we are. May we live our lives and speak our words in such a way that people take note not so much of us, but you. Because we're not doing anything. It's all what you're doing through us. And as we sing in that hymn, through us, shine, Jesus, shine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.